Let's bring in Jem Carson now. He's senior managing partner at Kai Volatility Advisors. Good morning, Jem. With that title, it only makes sense that we talk about volatility here. We're seeing the VIX moving big time today. Up, about, it's about at 25 right now. What's driving this this move, and is this volatility that we've been seeing really throughout 2022 here to stay? Yeah. So it's. Uh... The reality is that vol uh, has actually been quite compressed on a fixed strike basis. Uh, most uh, traders have been well hedged um, throughout this period. The uh, the inflationary uh, effects and the geopolitical um, issues are well known at this point. Um, and the hedging that has broadly happened across um, the market for the last uh, six months has really served to dampen uh, what otherwise, uh, you know, uh, have been really negative macro flows. Um, so we really have this push and pull uh, right now between uh, reflexive uh, positioning uh, in the vol markets uh, and the Vana and Charm flows that that uh, that, that creates, um, and the geopolitical kind of Fed inflationary flows that are coming more from the from the bond market. And I think that understanding that dynamic is very important. Uh, that can best be illustrated by, you know, uh, in, you know, in a, in a microcosm by what happened here recently in the March quarterly expiration. We had a massive backwardation um, in the vol curve, uh, massive uh, hedging that was happening um, in in the March expiration, which led dealers to be short put dramatically in March. This is not too dissimilar from an event vol like we had during the election in 2020 or in Brexit. It's particularly exacerbated not only because it was a quarterly expiration, but because it was the big March Fed meeting that everybody had been kind of waiting for. Um, when that event passes, much like a lot of other event vols, that leads to people getting longer vol post-it. Uh, when I say people, I mean dealers primarily, getting longer vol uh, post that March expiration and shorter delta. Uh, those effects we refer to in the vol space, again, not to get all technical, is our VOMA and VEDA effects in terms of vol and VANA mm -hmm. and charm effects in terms of the delta one buyback. So there was a massive influx of, of delta buying uh, uh, into that uh, that meeting and that March expiration, is, which is why we saw this massive 10% plus rally um, in the S&P over that period. Um, that said... From a macro perspective, uh, most of us know this at this point, but the Fed is writing calls, essentially. We talk about the Fed put a lot. The Fed is essentially, uh, there's now a Fed call on the market. The more the, the market runs, the stronger the economy is here, um, the more we're going to get vol selling from the, the Fed, more interest rate rises and, and, and quantitative tightening, um, which is something which is pressuring the market down from a more midterm uh, you know, perspective. Um, so I think those are the kind of the, the main things to be thinking about right now. And, and in a microcosm, what we're seeing, it's also why we saw, uh, you know, really a, a market down, vol down dynamic there in, in uh, January and February for quite some time, because vol is ultimately quite well supplied um, at this juncture. Um, you know, that said, and I think this is important, uh, we're heading into a five-week expiration cycle, something that most people don't think about. April into May is a longer, one-week longer expiration cycle than most. Um, you know, given that uh, and given the, the fading seasonality as we head to May, um, I think it's likely that, that we'll see a fade in some of the, uh, the support that we've been seeing in the market. And I think that's important to watch going forward here. 
Well, speaking of seasonality, April typically is a positive month when we when we look at seasonality. Obviously not the case yesterday or today. But then there's that old adage of sell in May and go away. So for those people who don't feel like they're they're hedged properly against inflation or maybe aren't as familiar with all of the technicals, what is the best strategy to hedge yourself against what could be uh, increased volatility throughout the year, given all of the risks that we're facing? Yeah, vol broadly is quite cheap um, at this juncture. And and skew uh, surprisingly has started to dampen you know, I started to come down considerably as well. So uh, particularly when you start looking at, uh, you know, May and June, uh, you know, expirations a little further out, there are some uh, interesting opportunities to hedge in this market right now. It is not too late by far, by any means. Uh, you know, we this week in particular tends to be a supportive week. So even though we're getting a bit of a decline here, um, heading into Monday, there should be support. That doesn't mean the market's going up, but that means uh, you know there are opportunities to monetize short-dated puts to uh, to own longer-dated puts right now. And I think that is really the best way to kind of hedge uh, in the current week um, as we approach, like I said, April uh, post-April expiration. Uh, you know, especially the next couple of weeks after April expiration, post Good Friday. Um, you know, that is a time for for um, caution. Um, but broadly, uh, writing calls with the Fed uh, to, to uh, you know, in the short term uh, to uh, to own longer dated puts um, and, and sell shorter dated puts uh, seems to be the, the best structure currently in order in order to hedge. All right, let's talk to stick with shorter term. We have the Fed minutes coming up later this afternoon. Major averages really holding firm with their losses. Nasdaq out is. Uh, losing the most down 2.4% ahead of that. But we already know what the Fed decided from that meeting. Kevin Hanks was on earlier this morning and said, shouldn't move the markets, but a lot of times it does. How market moving do you expect the Fed minutes to be this afternoon? Um, I think the reality is, I, th I think the minutes themselves uh, are, are largely priced in. Um, what is not you know, people think of uh, interest rate rises and the quantitative tightening almost as one and the same. Uh, they really are different uh, mechanisms that have very different uh, time lags uh, and that re and affect markets in different ways. Uh, interest rates really flow through to the directly to the economy uh, more than anything, um, and so they they have a much uh, longer lag. Um, they you know their effect on markets are are uh, you know historically a bit longer. Quantitative tightening is a direct flow of capital to capital markets, um, or flow out of, and that that is a that's the piece to watch here. Um, if the Fed is going to uh, accelerate the quantitative tightening, um, I think that is an area of concern that people aren't as closely watching. Um, you know, we expect balance sheet contraction as early as as next Fed meeting. Um, the question is how how fast are they going to try and accelerate that? Based on Brainerd's. Um, you know, uh, speeches in the last 24 hours. There's reason for concern there, and I think that's that's really what you're uh, you're seeing in markets right now is the reaction to that. Um, you know, that's a place to watch. Um, I don't think they're you know the minutes, which are a little bit uh, delayed, um, are not going to be as aggressive as whatever Brainerd said. Um, so I don't think that's going to be the, the surprise. But I, I do think that people are on edge, understandably, um, and, and they will be you know here going into the next Fed meeting. 
In terms of what's been moving the markets this year, it's certainly been the war in Ukraine, obviously, with Russia and, and the Fed, inflation, you know, possible recession forecasts. What else do you think could move the markets this year? Yeah, I think the big the big one, uh, you know, some people have talked about it, but I don't think it's talked about enough. Um, you know, we we believe the the odds of a, a you know an invasion of Taiwan by by China in the next year. We're not talking next several years. Is is close to fifty percent? Um, you know, even if it's thirty wow. percent, right? Um, you know, even if we're we're looking at those types of probabilities, we're talking about global potential global bifurcation based on that a mass. You know, if we think inflationary effects are strong from commodity push uh, because of Russia. You know, we ain't seen nothing yet. I mean, China, you know, is obviously, uh, you know, um, the the biggest trade partner we have in a major, uh, you know, input to costs uh, across businesses. Um, so uh, I think that's a major concern. That's a far from a foregone conclusion, but it is something that uh, I don't think markets are, are nearly pricing in enough given the risks at hand. 30 to 50 percent. You don't think the way we've sanctioned Russia, we just added or we're adding more sanctions there would would uh, make China think a little bit less in terms of, you know, just the reaction that we've seen on a, a global scale would would prevent them from entering Taiwan? No, I think uh, to be clear, we, we don't have a lot of cost burden to putting sanctions on Russia. Europe does have a bit, uh, obviously, because of their gas um, uh, supply, but Europe hasn't sanctioned uh, the gas right from from Europe. So if you look at if you're China, and you're looking at uh, you know the, the costs, the U.S. are tremendous, especially going into an election cycle. Uh, you know China's calculus is uh, you know what is the U.S. going to do in that situation, and and we haven't done anything militarily really um, in Russia. We uh, you know Europe hasn't. Uh, had the the gumption to to do anything as it relates to uh, you know hurting its own econ economy in this process, and that's what China is is watching. If you ask me, um, uh, so I, I don't think they've you know if you're if you're sitting in China's seat um, again, uh, who knows right? We're talking about a major major economic uh, you know uh, geopolitical moves that that uh, you know uh, that, that it's hard to say for sure. But but obviously um, you know there are. This is something that clearly China knew about going into. This was part of their calculus, watching and seeing what the reaction is. And the, rea the reality is the reaction, particularly during a midterm election cycle where it's going to be hard for um, to take the economic pain, um, does not look like it will be uh, what, what China you know, as, as it would, would think of as a worst case scenario. All right, we have to leave it there, but maybe next time we can talk about where Jam Croissant, your Twitter handle, comes from. <laughs> Jem Carson, Senior Managing Partner of Kai Volatility Advisors, thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. Take care.